everyone, welcome to Bookversations. We're your hosts, Sayed, and I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Bookversations. <laughs> this episode's conversation is inspired by Zadie Smith's Intimations, a collection of six personal essays detailing her reflections and experience of the pandemic. Hello, hello everyone. Thank you very much for reading the introduction today. <laughs> As you can tell from that introduction, Shlad will be anchoring today's podcast, inshallah. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Let me just get my first opinions out of the way. As someone who's never been able to get through Zadie Smith's novels, maybe one day I will, but I just, I've never, I've never, I've never really connected with the stories, but I thought this, mm-hmm. um, this essay collection was fantastic like I like when people make hard things look easy and mm, writing mm. an essay like this especially the first few ones it takes a lot of talent and skill and mm. hard work so I appreciate that mm. so I just wanted to say that first before we get into the book I appreciate the skill yeah same I really I mean I enjoyed most of it There's yeah just the fifth one the screen grabs I was a bit like ugh please but the last essay in the screen grab collection I really really liked um, and I also love the intimation section. You know, the first time I read this, I didn't clock that the intimations on. was the sixth essay. Oh, you didn't clock? Okay, so the 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 format of the last essay was very different. I was, don't think it I was completely more understood like it. A, I thought it was an acknowledgement, right? It's the first time I read it. And then when I was reading it again, I opened the book and I was like, number six, intimations. I was like, intimations. So I flipped back to the page. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. You know how in books you have an acknowledgement section? I thought it was just an acknowledgement section. Uh-huh. I didn't know that it was the sixth essay in the collection. But then it reminded me of Chimamanda's um, reflections on the death of her father in The New Yorker. Right. Where it was yeah. just like, kind of kind of like that, kind of like screen grabs one and then a reflection and then she switches to something else. So it, it's all tied mm. together by that theme of grief. Um, but yeah, it was kind of an interesting format for an essay. Okay, so wait, was the purpose of the sixth essay, was was that her sharing lessons that she'd learned from her family and friends? Yeah, I think that's okay, what it is. Just people right, who have impacted okay. her life in general. Because remember, she also had a drama teacher. I think it's just the things that she's learned or there's people that have taught her things that she works with in life. Because she also talked about Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah. And someone yeah. else, I don't remember who. Toni Morrison, maybe? I think she mentioned Toni Morrison. I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember seeing Toni Morrison. But yeah, I like Maybe that section. But overall, the book is basically reflections from um, the pandemic, like how it affected her, the thoughts that it brought about. Muhammad Ali. Why did yes, I, I love that Muhammad Ali one. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking I did not see Toni Morrison anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, she did quote, she did quote Muhammad Ali um, in a section of information so the main theme of the book as you mentioned before is about the pandemic so let's get into like the discussion Shwad, mm-hmm. what you want to talk about the first conversation is generally about how the pandemic has affected you um so my question to you Mahmouda is how has the pandemic affected you I mean there are some questions but just in general thinking about where you were before the pandemic started and where you are now how in general has the pandemic affected you in every aspect yeah. as well mm. I think for me because I spent the first half of lockdown in Nigeria so when people were shouting pandemic pandemic or like at least when I was speaking to my friends and they were talking about the mental health or like yeah the mental health kind of like impact of the pandemic I didn't really get it like it didn't hit me in the same way that I think it hit me now even though I I don't think the pandemic has been like 
that terrible mental health wise but I felt like because I was in Nigeria Nigeria wasn't really in full lockdown um I didn't really understand what it meant until I moved back and then I got into mm. lockdown. um I think overall the pandemic has affected the way we live our lives like it's mm-hmm. strange it's strange to think about the many things that we just took for granted I never thought I was a social person I'm until this excited. pandemic and then I realized actually I am I really do miss going out and seeing people I actually I I miss going out and seeing people I miss traveling I miss yeah. I miss so much going to coffee shops because coffee shops were just like they're a big part of my routine and mm. especially during PMS because I know that when I'm especially in my two weeks before my period I don't I can't stand being around people a lot but I yeah. would go to a coffee shop because the change of environment always helps and mm. the first week of the pandemic it hit me like crazy I think the first two weeks I was because it was literally the week before my period came and I was yeah. like oh my god it's over what am I gonna I do, do that anymore um, like it's crazy it's been a year um, and a half I know. no it's just been a year oh. year and a half oh. <laughs> imagine wait didn't didn't it's fall lockdown I mean we've had different variations of lockdown Oh yeah, so it's been a year. Yeah, that's true. It started officially in March, I would say. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But a whole year of living life like this—it's very different. Like it takes a certain level of mental adjustment. I was going to say, what kind of adjustments have you had to make? Yeah, I feel like to some extent, maybe I have more complaints than I do. I think perhaps maybe on the work side of things, a lot of you that I know Mm -hmm. have really loved working from home, and it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. for me. I like structure. I like nine to five. I like going to work getting my stuff mm-hmm. done leaving and not having to think mm-hmm. about work but I think the way that I work mm-hmm. now that's lacking and that work-life balance I feel like is not there anymore which I don't like you know something I've read or heard a lot of people say is that everything was put to a hold except work people were still ex- yes. still expected to carry on working in the pandemic it's crazy and I'm on the same side as you in terms of like physical separation. Like I love physical separations and I leave the house and I go to work. I know that work is done. And I think mm-hmm. it took me a lot of trial and error to get that kind of structure. So for example, on days where I'm not working, I do not open my work laptop, my work email, my I'm not available. And it's annoying for those who are trying to reach me. Yeah. But I just don't want them to think I'm, I'm available every second of my life. And I just want for myself to have that mental separation since I can't have a physical separation. But I miss I miss having that I leave the house and go into this place and I know that this kind of work is getting started. And I come exactly. back home and I know that okay work is done. I'm gonna switch to something else. And if you're not if you don't have the privilege of having like more than one room or if you share a room, then your sleeping space becomes your working space, becomes your distance space, becomes your everything space, which can That's also a big be one as well. Literally everything merges into one. I think my ideal work week would be like three days in the office and two days at home. But I, I think post post lockdown, I, I am actually really looking forward to being surrounded by people. I, I am an introvert in the sense that like I get a lot of my energy from ideas and being in solitude. But then I also realized like being with people and interacting with people balanced that off. Whereas mm-hmm. now, and I think perhaps one of the great things that's come out of like um, the pandemic or the lockdown is finding like pockets of community that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So whether it's like night of car groups in one of like my WhatsApp groups, or like the write, the writers group that I recently, like there's just different things that I feel like, whether it's like in personal life or work life, just the mm. way that we interact as friends now as well, like just finding little moments where we can find community and understanding that maybe, okay, you don't always have to go to a restaurant. <laughs> there are different ways That's that you true. can interact. And there are di- like the different things that you perhaps did by yourself before that you can form a community through online. 
so that's been mm-hmm. nice like I've liked that what adjustments have you made in lockdown uh, I think the biggest for me <laughs> I feel like I've spoken about this a million times but when the pandemic started I only had one goal in mind which was to learn how to slow down because yeah. I'm someone who's always juggling a million and one responsibilities and mm-hmm. I just really wanted to take some time for myself. And I feel like it's only now, as in like this year, January, after all of my self-reflection and reading books and so on, that I'm starting slowly to finally get near achieving that goal. Yeah. Um, and I feel like even after the pandemic's ended, whenever this this is, I feel like I would want my life to continue the way that it's kind of already going now. Okay. Where, I mean... It's just, I think I'm learning more and more to prioritize just taking care of myself first and putting myself first. Yeah, so for example, um, every two weeks before my period, I'm usually like mentally drained. And yeah. because I've been someone who was used to, always used to being super productive, blah, blah, blah. It's always a difficult two weeks for me because I'm first of all going through what I'm going through, which is being exhausted and tired and drained, but then also beating myself up for not being able to do as much as I would normally have been able to do in those two weeks and knowing that I still have a lot of work to do. And I remember like when the pandemic first started um, and I was studying, I had to have a conversation with one of my professors. I was like, I can't do this. I'm really struggling to do anything. Mm. And I opened up to him about like this, my PMS, blah, blah. And then he was like, how about you do as much as you can in the times where you feel like you have energy and consciously say to yourself, I'm going to take one week off so the week before your period I'm gonna take it off that's a nice idea um yeah. which at first was difficult to do because I still had a lot to do but I'm just learning to take stuff off of my plate and I think I mean there are some times in those two weeks where I do have a bit of energy so I'm just trying to be more kind or kinder to myself in the sense that I recognize when I'm feeling tired and I try to stay away from forcing myself to do work um, yeah. It is still kind of difficult. So I was talking to someone about if you're doing, if you're someone who's doing something creative. So if you're a writer, for example, you are the one who creates your own schedule. Um, exactly. And it's very easy to compare yourself to people who have this structure nine to five, you got to show up kind of job. Whereas like, then you're like, I'm not doing enough because I haven't written today. Um, yeah. But if you're mentally exhausted, well, if I'm mentally exhausted, I can't write, and I'm kind of battling with that at the moment. That's a really good um, point. I think it's a, it's a true one. Like the in terms of the the process of producing for people that are creatives, whether like writers or any kind of like creativity industry, it's very different from mm-hmm. a standard nine to five in the sense that like what you're doing is a lot more. It's a lot more visible as you go step by step. And I think Zadie Smith mm-hmm. actually mentions this in the, in the book as well, in terms of like yeah, how we fill yeah. our time. And for her, mm-hmm. kind of that vulnerability that comes with everyone seeing the way that she uses her time as a writer in comparison with yeah. other people who are in more like standard or traditional jobs. But I definitely feel mm-hmm. you like it is like, I think to some extent it's inescapable for you to compare your productivity to other people's productivity. Because yeah. you are kind of your own boss to some extent. That's thin. And also because of the nine to five, you could kind of see output, you know, what you did today kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas a writer, I could write like a thousand words and then come back tomorrow and scrap it. And then also think, but then I can I spend, how can I spend four hours writing a thousand words, for example? And maybe exactly. in a different day, I would have written like 3000 words in this, in that same time. But it's just, it's very, yeah. It is, because when you think about something for taking five years to write a book, right? Like, mm-hmm. it sounds, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's yeah i think when when you're when you're a writer your consideration or your attitude towards time writing definitely challenges that because i think when you put that pressure on yourself that i have to like produce a certain amount in a certain time frame sometimes that zaps the way your creativity it's a balance between the discipline of turning up of turning up mm-hmm. and having a routine and writing versus like forcing yourself to think i have to produce a certain amount within a certain yeah. time frame yeah that's kind of the workaround I found. So I have like, well, I tried to have fixed times on a number of days where I just sit down to do creative work. And if, for example, mm-hmm. I'm not able to work on my novel, then I'm going to spend time working on a post or story or doing research for writing or just yeah. making sure I show up at those times. I think that's kind of made it easier to deal with um, mm. and just being aware of, okay, when it's PMS season, I'm I have less energy to give out, which means I just should allocate less time to a lot of things. But that's kind of yeah. how I think the pandemic has taught me to slow down and look at these things in a way that I probably wouldn't have looked at it before because I'm, I would have been thinking I need to get this done and that done and that done. Yeah. Um, it's also no, helped it's me. Go on. No, because, you know, like in the first essay, she was talking about cycles in the sense of like how our 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 cycles as women affect us right and so from your mm. like your conversation I feel like you'd have related to that essay more because of like I did PMS. I was making I think also <laughs> on like a metaphorical level it speaks to like kind of being at peace with the different cycles that we might be at life like it, you're not mm. going to be productive all the time there's a season for rest and there's, there's a season for like going at it but yeah talk, mm-hmm. like how did you relate to that essay because I feel like I, I got it in the sense of as women, we are bound by nature to some extent, right? Like, we don't have certain luxuries. Yeah, you don't have a choice, really, sometimes. Yeah, but, like, with your PMS, like, did you find did you find that you related to the essay a lot? Um, I think I was reading it, and, you know, the, the, the way she writes it is quite interesting, right? Because at first she's yeah. thinking, she was talking about how, for her, she's always been, like, she wants to cry. She prefers to cry on Monday and find out why she was crying on Tuesday. Whereas <laughs> I, I was thinking line. to myself, I'd rather know. But then at the same time, I kind of get got where she was coming from because I saw this really funny tweet that summed up that summed up PMS for me. It was like okay. the week before your period doesn't make sense until your period comes, and then you're like, ah, that's why. Um, but the thing is, for me personally, I always literally I Hi. notice a shift in my state. Like it's it's not a physical thing but I notice a shift and I just know that this is the beginning of PMS and this is going to last for this long um, yeah so when I was reading the essay I was like oh like I, I I totally agree but it just made me think about the different spectrums of how I have a friend who's never felt period pain before doesn't have PMS symptoms and just how sometimes it's difficult to explain to someone that you're going through something because of your period but when They've never experienced it before, even though they're women. Um, and I also just thought about how when I realized I had PMDD, I never used to tell people I did because the first couple of times. Wait, I explain said the it, term before you go on. You know, like some, oh, actually sorry. explain so all the PMDD terms that you're using. Is, PMS, PMDD, some people I don't even know what that means. Fair enough. So PMS is premenstrual sim- syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, premenstrual syndrome or symptoms. God. No, premenstrual yeah, symptoms, I think. Yeah. I think I think it's symptoms and then PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder which is basically just the I guess more what's the word I'm looking for I guess a stronger version of PMS but it's usually majorly focused on the emotional side so a lot more depression yeah. anxiety and that stuff um, and like when I figured when I found out that I had that I, I I had had a conversation I think with one or two people about it and the way that they questioned me in the sense of like how can your period making you feel this way 
made me feel like it just made me stop saying it. And so when people ask like what's wrong or whatever, I'm just like PMS, PMS, PMS. But even though I knew it was kind of a, a lot more than PMS, it was difficult to have yeah. that conversation. Um, but you know and what's interesting? Those, I feel like you're a lot more open about it. Like you're a lot more like forthcoming about it than other people. Like I feel like as women, we shy away from talking mm-hmm. about certain things that are natural to our experiences. Whereas with you, I, I feel you are very open about it. I think I have so to You're not shying away that. from the topic. I, I learned to, I mean, when I was working in this office with, I was one, I was two women, me and some other women, but she was like in her late forties and then the rest of them were men and I would have really bad period pain. And I was like, I can either suffer in silence or tell them I have periods. And I remind myself that these people would not be in this places if their mothers didn't have periods. Therefore, <laughs> let's have this conversation. And that's how oh, I started God. to approach the topic of period. I'm serious. Literally. Wow. And so if my stomach hurts and my boss, a guy, a man asks me what's going on, I'm like, I have period pain. I have cramps. I can't I remember okay. someone a few weeks ago I had really bad period. Pain. Sorry, I'll be honest. <laughs> and I mean it took a lot. I think doing it once, twice just made it easier to do. Some people still make a big deal out of it and they're like, ooh, but I'm like, you won't be here if your mom didn't have periods. Think about that very deeply. <laughs> but yeah, um it took time, but I think I realized that if I didn't have the conversation, I would be suffering a lot. And I just yeah. didn't come to this life with stress. I'm allergic. Like the openness kind of helps you to get things out of the way. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that first essay. Um, it was nice. I think that first essay was when I was like, whoa. Because she started off talking about a completely unrelated topic. And by the time she got to the point that I, I know, was like... The, the way she linked it, I was like, wow. I said, hold on, auntie. Skill. Okay. Skill. She did it so well. So that's when I was like, okay this collection might be it mm. yeah and mm. they were like they were, the other essay that i think really stood out for me was the suffering one i really liked that as well so I funny really and interested. yeah i mean it's not i mean the topic is not funny but the way that she approached it that she writes about it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so for that essay she um she was talking about the the, the i suppose this idea of uh understanding the uniqueness of suffering and not comparing it with other mm-hmm. people like in a sense i could be looking at my suffering and then delegitimizing it when I think about other people's condition or like what mm-hmm. what other people are going through. But there was like an interesting meme that she used to kind of that she used in the essay where she took it. And I actually I went to Google it today. So Mel Gibson, did you, did you see the picture? I I think I've seen the meme floating around. Yeah. So Mel Gibson is in a chair. I, I suppose it's on a film set. And um, the actor that's playing Jesus has like a crown of thorns and he's just bleeding. And then the the <laughs> caption says, when your friends, hold on, let me actually find it. Let me see. I also heard Oh, yeah. It. When your child free friends explain how tough it is during lockdown. <laughs> that was, yeah, I thought that was really funny. But the point in general about suffering or not comparing experiences, I thought was really, really good. I can't remember, what was the quote that I, that I liked? Okay, so it says, but when the bad day in your week finally arrives and it comes to all, by which I mean that particular moment when your sufferings, as puny as they may be in the widest scheme of things, direct themselves absolutely and only to you, as if precisely designed to destroy you and only you, at that point, it might be worth allowing yourself the admission of the reality of suffering. So I really like that quote. I loved I loved that because I, I loved that she highlighted how for the person who's going through the suffering, suffering is absolute. Like it's just, it's in your mind, it's affecting you and exactly. only you and nobody else can understand or see like I guess the extent to which you're affected by this um, yeah 
I thought it was a really, really well-written essay, to be honest. It was. I think um, there's another thing that you mentioned about extending compassion to others. Yeah, I loved that because I feel like sometimes somebody would tell you something that they're going through and maybe to you that then is not that deep. And just because it's not that deep to you doesn't mean that it's not that deep to the person. And so basically, mm. I loved that she was also highlighting not belittling someone else's suffering. So someone, yeah. maybe you have three kids and someone has one kid and they're complaining or they're telling you about how this their one kid is difficult to raise. And you're like, what do you mean one kid is difficult to raise? I have three kids and you don't kind of see me complaining or like just someone saying, I don't know, I'm struggling to find something to, okay, that's right. <laughs> struggling to find what? Struggling, to, I was going to say struggling to find, struggling to cook or eat or survive during the lockdown, yeah. blah, blah, right? Uh, and uh, to someone else, they're like, at least you have a roof over your head, at yeah. least you have a house to be in, but that might be just something that the person sees as a big problem. Yeah. Um, so being aware of the, if, even if you don't understand how that could possibly be a suffering just being aware of, of it, I think, could be, it's very nice. It goes a long way when we extend compassion to other people. So the next thing, I guess, that was like um, the another essay that she writes about is that we've mentioned it before, the concept of writing and why you write. So I'm closing that question to you, Fad. Why do you write? Why are you a writer? Why are you committed think, to writing? Um, writing for me, when I think about it, is something that, is intrinsic it just feels like something I have to do like I write about everything I've been trying to write this blog post about why I write right yeah and I haven't finished it till today but I was thinking about it a lot and it's just the fact that I write literally for everything I just think about something I feel like I have to write about this or like something really bothers me and I'm like I have to write about this but writing is also how I process my emotions writing is how I best articulate my thoughts Mm-hmm. Um, and so for example if I really want to say something to someone I'd rather I take the time writing it out or typing it up before I actually say it to you oh, yeah I forgot you. you do that you like emails <laughs> like, I do like yeah do. whatever it is whether it's like something good or bad you like your emails yeah I, <laughs> it, it helps me process my thoughts a lot I remember I wrote this long ass email to my dad sometime to address the situation <laughs> so funny well he read it and then he called Mate, me back if I wrote an email to anyone in my family it. you would only read one sentence and be like what do you think you're doing <laughs> writing for me is just an urge it's just I need to write this and also when I'm in a situation where maybe someone's done something wrong to me and it's a situation where I know I'd never be able to confront it or address it or someone has basically oppressed me in a way shape or form yeah I think something I know I can't deal with there's two ways I deal with this either I just don't think about it for a while and then later and I write about it or I mm-hmm. it's so weird I don't know why but I do this actually I've done it a few times I create a short yeah. story about the situation mm-hmm. and I just write the ending the way I would have wanted it to play out I, I allow the characters to do the work and I see how the character in that situation will play out the end of that situation it's quite interesting so it allows you to process like process your emotions yeah yeah, yeah. like you're communicating and, to yourself and to other people as well yeah I mean I may not share it but even even if it's just I read I read over it and I'm like hmm, interesting yeah. yeah that's oh I forgot the point that I was gonna make yeah no I remember now what you were saying about it being a compulsion I don't know if a compulsion is the right word but I feel like you know to some extent when you're committed to writing that even for example if you're not sharing your writing you can't stop writing yes right? like, yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think a week yeah. goes by where you don't write or the thoughts don't come into you like yeah. 
even right now, I'm not blogging. Yeah, exactly. I'm not blogging. There's like I have like seven hundred fifty posts in drafts because I just like you don't stop, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think um, there's a part of it. I I, I think that it's actually a quote in the for, in the foreword of the essay where she mentioned that writing is about being overheard or something like that, which I thought was interesting because to some extent it is writing is very personal. But mm-hmm. there is also at times the need to share it and to communicate it with other people. That's true. Find the code. And I also feel like sometimes, I mean, you could write something, but you might not be ready to share it. We with share people, it. And it's okay yeah. to give it the time that it needs um, mm. before you share it. Yeah, the quote goes talking to yourself can be useful and writing means being overheard. So I thought, yeah, I found that interesting. But yeah, I think to to some extent, do you ever worry? Um, I am just this is kind of like a thought or something that I've been thinking about. To some extent, are writers very? I don't want to use the word self-absorbed. No, self-absorbed is not the right word because I think it's that you are very much you live in the world of internal thoughts a lot. That like you're constantly reflecting. It, it's crazy. You're yeah. looking for meaning within things, but. I also think there is, I also think there's like a downside to that sometimes. And I'm just speaking person in that you're always so, sometimes overthinking things. Like things just can't be as they are. Right, doesn't it? Yeah. I think if you're someone who, for example, writes, I don't know how it works, but fantasy, whereas maybe if you wrote like uh, contemporary fiction or nonfiction and lots of essays and articles, yeah. and that, then because you know how they always say ideas can come any times to always write down. Then you start to try to connect dots, even where there may not be dots to connect. Yeah, um, as you true. say, and the, yeah, overthinking can can become a thing, right? Because you may obsess over one specific idea, and that may not be that thing that you need to, I guess, pay a lot of attention to. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever thought, oh, this is not a good thing. Oh, know. in terms of the reflection that comes with writing. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I think I'm just generally a very reflective person in general. Yeah. Um, so I do enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot, actually. I think sometimes I feel like there's a downside to it. But that's just for me, mm. personally. Like, mm, yeah. yeah. Like, it. you know, sometimes when you're in conversation with people and you can just tell that in their mind, they're like, this is not that deep. <laughs> Whereas yeah, you've like... Fair enough. Whereas like, you've thought about it in a totally different... Way. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I think there's a freedom, <laughs> there's a freedom that, comes, that comes with that, <laughs> that you're not like thinking into things but um yeah I I, I like the essay format because I think it allows you to get an insight into other people's minds and I'm trying to think of people that I really enjoy the essays apart from James Baldwin Baldwin. who else have you really enjoyed the essays I generally love essays read the fire next time um but let me see essays whose essays i love chimamanda's essays i mean i've only read a couple oh, how could i forget I know she's written that. Chimamanda, <laughs> yeah. i love her essays the fantastic essays uh, if i can think of someone else tony morrison probably audrey lord i actually enjoyed audrey lord's essays thank you audrey lord my angelo oh my god all my favorites how did i forget them <laughs> yeah, i really audrey enjoyed lord. reading that i don't know if you'd call muhammad ali's book a book of essays but i really it was kind of a, that's an interesting question. What I would call it reflective essays, actually. I would just call them essays. Soul of a Butterfly, to some extent, I think is it's part autobiography, part essay. Yeah, that's the thing. I think some of them, because there was also poetry in that book. So there was yeah. there were some things that were kind of like essay-like, and there were some things that were more just, I don't know, a telling, as you said, an autobiography. 
but still i loved the way he ref- i love the way he reflects he is a deep reflector on everything full stop you don't give him enough credit. i'm from a very young age too i think that's a beautiful trait to have yeah um, so yeah i have enjoyed those essays i mean i can't think of any other essays that you that you read maybe i need to read more essays someone recommended trick mirror but i haven't actually finished it so i don't know if i really like it or not what mirror trick mirror by gia tolentino i think everyone okay, was talking about the book at some point um, there was a time where lots of people were talking about it but um i haven't read much of hers yeah if book physician mm. listeners have good essay recommendations do you recommend them please I like because like i really essay. like reading essays yeah it's nice interesting the last go, one that i read um, by james baldwin was so good dark days he's amazing come on that he's was amazing. Oh, beautiful Beautiful, I mean, right? I, I go to the New Yorker from time to time to read essays because people point. just reflect us. So what would you mm-hmm. say have been like your top three lessons or reflections from the pandemic? That's a very good question. From the pandemic, top three lessons. Number one is just prioritizing caring for yourself. I think yeah, even though I say that. life is too short a lot, I think the pandemic is a time where I've actually oh. really embraced the t- the the phrase life is too short like I just can't yeah can't keep myself life is too short like I'm you're surrounded by death I, so much yeah and they I, and I think that's the thing isn't it so you're just forced to confront yourself with what you really want to spend your time doing and whether it's worth mm. it it's been a very reflective time for me I mean there has been some downs but I would say overall I don't think I'll change anything even though I miss the coffee shops not being open I think everything happens for a reason and I yeah. feel like even though there were times where I was just wanting to sleep, that that's okay too. Slowing down mm. is okay. It's fine. So I guess my first lesson is just accepting that life is too short and just making the most of time. And that that's not in the productive sense, just in, in the general balance sense. And productive, but also taking care of yourself and nurturing your relationships yeah. and your spiritual health mm. and so on. Um, I think one. the second lesson um, from the pandemic would be just embracing solitude more I mean even though I'm kind of kind of an introverted person I do love spending time alone I think I've had to do that a lot more during the pandemic and Mm -hmm. one thing I've been trying to do before the pandemic even hit was I've been thinking of ways to master contemplation by and the more I try to do it especially because the pandemic has kind of afforded me the time I'm here by myself yeah Um, more I realized that it's something I would definitely want to continue doing and that taking time to reflect or taking time to go on a walk every day it benefits you as much as more than you can imagine even though you say oh if I measure in terms of output <laughs> like I've yeah. gone for a walk for an hour what do I see the benefit but it actually is so beneficial in the mental health and just the person that you are and it just teaches you to just take your time with things, which is so important and valuable. Um, and my third lesson with the pandemic is, which is basically tied to everything else, is just embrace slowing down. Like it just it makes a world of a difference. I feel like that's been the theme of your year. Yeah, it actually has. Yeah. I'm finally getting there, achieving my goal. Alhamdulillah. Slowing down. Alhamdulillah. It's beautiful. That's good. What about you? What are your top three pandemic lessons? I think it's very similar in the sense of like everything shutting down kind of forces you to reassess like what matters or what is important or just, yeah, like you mentioned, taking taking time with things and being present um, and 
enjoying the moments that you have but I think in terms of solitude for me it's been the opposite like kind of cherishing the opportunities that I have to actually like interact with people and have the many meaningful conversations that matter to me I think I really mm. overestimated how much I love solitude like I cannot wait properly drop down to actually get out <laughs> my spirit is ready like I just yeah, I just yeah. miss like I miss gatherings like even think about it like you know for uni, we have like our alumni circles, and alhamdulillah, it's been so great that we've been able to do it online. But I just think back to like times where it was such a good, it was such a good time for us to see each other physically. Like we're all off doing our like different things across, you know, across the UK, and then once in a while yeah. you get to be in a space together physically and see each other and catch up. Like I miss hugging people, even though I'm not really much of a hugger. <laughs> but I miss yeah, I get it. Um, what other lesson I think similar to you in terms of contemplation as well just knowing that death isn't too far away like subhanallah I think the amount of people that I know that have lost people as well it's like staggering mm-hmm. um just like that's one of my questions for, for you actually what was it which was do you think of death often like what's your relationship with death Man, I know someone who's really afraid about death. Of death I am um, I okay yeah I know people say you shouldn't say you're afraid of death I just feel like it's that concept of you don't feel ready for death and I think especially because like there have been so many people that I know like who subhanAllah have been like we're at the height like when I think about Hoden Nalaye and Ustad Nabil Azami like they were in there Ustad Nabil Azami was actually 40 when he passed away and Hoden the you know her the Somali presenter Mm -hmm. that like you just honestly we don't know when our time will be up literally at all at all so I I think it's just I think for me actually one of the other one of the other things that I've taken away maybe not aside from the pandemic or more like spiritual relationship is just leaving things to God in a sense like just trying your best Mm -hmm. I think sometimes with, with our spirituality there can be a need to overburden like to do a lot of things instantly where you then feel spiritual burnout but taking mm-hmm. your time and building that relationship like slowly and gradually mm-hmm. and like savoring it mm-hmm. and finding discovering what it means to know and love God I think that's probably yeah. one of the yeah mm-hmm. like in a, in a slow in way not in a well. boom mm-hmm. yeah exactly so mm-hmm. I think that's yeah like one of the things I'm really grateful for I was actually writing about this um that I mentioned on my real love I was telling my contributing partner during the weekend and I was like at the beginning of the year I started like I was I like my little habit tracking and alhamdulillah I've been I've been doing good on most of them but the one thing that I was really really struggling with was like night as car and I'll just be like why can't I just recite Surah before I go to bed like what's up with my willpower mm-hmm. and I just I just I was like struggling so much and then recently in one of my groups um I always thought that they were doing evening azkar at 10 p.m. I don't know how I arrived at that conclusion but anyway I can't remember what I was thinking that day I just thought oh let me click on this link and see what's happening and then I realized they were doing like car at 10 p.m. every night. So now I've just been tuning in and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And alhamdulillah, I feel like it's amazing how Allah answered that dua in that way. Like being having mm-hmm. having now that community where we gather together every night and we do our night cars together. It makes it really special. Um, and I think, yeah, one of the things I really love about Islam is just the emphasis on community. I don't think we emphasize that enough. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we think about good deeds mm-hmm. in terms of stuff that we do by ourselves. But it's just like it's knowing that you can like lean on other people to help you yeah. in your spiritual journey mm-hmm. as well so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, yeah that's one of that's been one of the highlights for me 
in the pandemic. That's about it. I can't think of anything else. But yeah. Do you want to share your favorite quote with us? Yes. Do you want to start? I've been talking for a bit. We have a million. A million. Okay. Talk about superlatives. (laughs) So um, my first quote is, but out in the field, experience has no chapter headings or paragraph breaks or ellipses in which to catch your breath. It just it just keeps coming at you. Yeah. And I think it speaks to like there will be times in life where you're like, you you want things to happen like in a story, but it just doesn't. Like life keeps rushing at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take it. Take it in your stride. What's what's one of your favorite quotes? She was talking in reference to she gave a quote that the president the ex-president of the united states did and then at the end of the quote she says then he spoke the truth we didn't have death we had dead people we had casualties and we had victims we had more or less innocent bystanders we had body counts and sometimes even photos in the newspapers of body bags though many felt it was wrong to show them we had unequal health outcomes but in america all of these involved some culpability on the part of the dead Wrong place, wrong time, wrong skin color, wrong side of the tracks, wrong zip code, wrong beliefs, wrong city, wrong position of hands when asked to exit the vehicle, wrong health insurance or none, wrong attitude to the police officer. What we were completely missing, however, was a concept of death itself, death absolute, the kind of death that comes to us all, irrespective of position. I loved that a lot. It was... uh... Even as you were reading it now, it just took me back to it. And it was so, so articulate mm-hmm. in describing. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned it in our favorite, I think our favorite Reads podcast, just like the disproportionate impact of COVID on different sections of society. And I think she captured that mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. MashaAllah. Okay, my next one is, um, oh, I've actually already read that, so I'll, I'll, I'll do another one. To keep voting for policies that ensure the permanent existence of an underclass is what is meant by structural racism. I love, I love that definition because sometimes you're mm-hmm. in conversation with people and they're like, oh, I'm just voting for, I'm just voting for this party, but it's like they speak about it almost as if it's inconsequential or that their voting, mm-hmm. their voting doesn't reveal something about their beliefs or their ideology. And I'm mm-hmm. like, actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. when you're voting for certain policies, it tells me what it is that you, that you believe. So I, I, yeah, I, I like that quote as a definition. You know what of that reminded me of? You know, yeah. in the information's essay, one of the people that she was giving thanks to, Darren, um, and I mm. liked the first sentence, which was that prejudice is most dangerous, not when it resides in individual hearts and minds, but when it is preserved in systems. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was a really good way to... Well, I'll finish the rest of it, because when she says, for example, an educational system... Oh, yeah, I loved that as well. Okay. It was so for good. For example, an educational system that proves... For example, an educational system that proves unable to see a boy as a child, seeing him only as a potential threat, that any child who enters such a prejudiced system will be in grave danger, be he ever so beautiful and talented, inspired and inspirational loving and loved he can still be broken i loved it so, so much. well written thought, wow like yeah. the impact of systems like it doesn't matter how mm. much potential some people have yeah the system inevitably kind of engulfs them yeah so actually quote, actually you can go next okay yeah we're on to my last coach a long preserved privilege dies hard a long preserved isolation even if it has been forced it's painful to emerge from i thought that was just interesting just in terms of like um coming out of like a world post-pandemic and what that looks like because to be honest, we don't actually know what our world looks like post-pandemic there's still there's still mm. a lot of like rearrangement that will happen. 
so yeah exactly i think it's, it's interesting to think about so what's your final suffering is not relative it is absolute simple and true i really like it because <laughs> it's just a reminder to not compare yourself to other people in terms of your suffering but also in terms of their suffering as well mm. um, yeah yeah so, so what is the latest book that you're reading i actually i finished it um yesterday you did? excuse me when did you start reading the book the day before <laughs> oh my god so um, actually no i finished it this yeah at midnight or something basically the wow. book i'm so surprised i'd only just seen this for the first time so it's it was written in 2018 i think yeah and it it's ya it follows three protagonists one is a south asian muslim character yeah. one is um she's physically disabled and another one um has some other mental health issues due mm. to the situation um lots of trigger warning but the book is literally about mental health and suicide um wow. and i don't know i've been reading all of these books but um I mean, it was really good to never, see like, how when, when was the last time hold up when was the last time you read a book that was not heavy love and color january last oh my day uh-huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was thinking about that actually when I finished this and I was like wow so I had to be on a roll like it's a lot exactly in one go yeah but I'm, I'm trying strange. to not pick up something crazy now um, yeah I need to finish the book I just realized actually when I was looking at our recording calendar we need more fiction we have loads of non-fiction mm-hmm. yeah okay. I have fun enjoyable I'm not that person, but I'm going to try my best. Yeah, that's your homework. That's your homework. Yeah, yeah. I was looking through my kids. Like um, I think what I liked about this book uh, is that I loved that she could, she wrote a Muslim character without Islam being portrayed as something that it isn't. Um, mm. I loved that she had a character who believed in God, but still didn't want to live and she addressed how suicide is haram but she was yeah. struggling to manage that because even though she believed in god she was still struggling uh, with life and i love that it's, it's such an important thing to see because sometimes people will say why do you have mental health issues when you have god and mm. um, i remember someone had asked me why i was going through a few years ago and i was like i didn't want to but i was like let me just open up because i just like being open with people and direct right and the guy mm-hmm. was like to me what do you mean you have mental health issues are you not a muslim and i was like no i'm a <laughs> but yeah anyways i was just like whatever um, yeah. and i couldn't be asked to have that conversation so i really liked that about the book i really liked the concept of the book um i just didn't want to trigger anyone but it basically the three of these characters are united by their want to commit suicide and they sign oh, up God. on this website that gives them a date that allows them to help each other but you know what I love about the book it's a very hateful book because it takes a completely different turn I, and I, okay. and it just shows you how there are other ways to solve things but again remember as suffering is absolute in your yep. head there's no other way but this one way right mm. um, and I love that she tackles that really really well yeah cool I might read it now I'm not quite sure if I'm ready for it I would recommend it, but... it actually um I don't think it was as it's as heavy as the one I finished two days ago um all the, yeah. and the stars were burning brightly that one was way mm. for me personally I think that one was way heavier than this one and yeah. I still every day I didn't think a day has passed since I finished that book that I haven't thought about it and the mm. stars were burning brightly. oh my god okay that dark yeah yeah i'm reading our next book sessions read transcendent kingdom 
which we are going to be talking I, about addiction, I guess, next that, week. Yeah. So obsessed. I'm looking forward to that. I really can't wait to see what to hear what you think about it. Well, I think about it. Imagine I, it. I imagine I read it now and I hate it. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, imagine I'm not going to read this. Conversation is going to be interesting, considering I also bought it at the time when I was boycotting Amazon. So the hardback is actually pretty expensive. <laughs> It's pretty though, so but, um, I guess that's yeah, good it looks to nice. look on your bookshelf. Good for my bookshelf, like it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm I'm very interested in the subject. So um, and she's a talented writer. Exactly. Besides, besides everything else, is because I'm a sucker for good writing. Yeah, um, and she has she does everything well. She does the storytelling really well, but she just uh, the character is so alive. Like there's no other way. Yeah. Like, the character is so the character that there's no other way you could have imagined that character it's so weird yeah um, I think there are not many writers I think can hold a first person narrative for that long and do it justice to that extent yeah. besides James Baldwin because he's good at that as well but mm-hmm. she does a really good job she does a really really good job cool beans I'm looking forward to our show next week so that's the end of today's show thank you thank you for joining us on this episode of Conversations. We hope you've gained benefit from the discussion. If you've enjoyed the episode, remember to like, review, comment, and share it with friends and family. Bookversations is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookversationspod at gmail.com. Are you surprised at where our podcast is? Like, right in the middle. And let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time, remember to read. Remember to read.